0: This week's Four Questions Journalist Spotlight is brought to you by Left's Atlanta Media, Atlanta's best journalist database. Subscribe at com.
1: Welcome to another edition of our Four Questions Journalist Spotlight. We are talking today, I shouldn't clap because that messes up my audio, right? We are talking today with Sarah Rose from Georgia Public Broadcasting on the radio side. Good afternoon, Sarah. Good afternoon.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a it's a lovely afternoon here. Well, it'll be a lovely afternoon when I put this on the air, on the internet waves uh, next week as well. But, uh, you know, we're in between hurricanes and storms, right? So yeah. that's all good. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for taking the time. I know I uh, you, you have, have my list of people I want to talk to, and you've been on my list for a while. So I'm, well, I'm, I'm glad, glad
0: to be a part of it. I'm excited to speak with you.
1: Yeah. No, I, this is a great opportunity for folks to kind of get to know you and uh, – you know, you guys are doing great work over there at GPB and I know you've got some, some job openings so we can talk about that, I think, too. All that fun stuff. Uh, it's a great time to be in media. There's, there seems to be a lot of opportunities in, in Metro Atlanta, but uh, tell me first, um, what your role is at GPB and uh, kind of what your job is and what, what you focus on
0: yeah i'm a journalist in the newsroom here at gpb i am also the um one of two news writers for our bi-weekly georgia today newsletter which we send out on tuesdays and thursdays um yeah and I've, I've been at gpb now uh, my two years will be next month actually so
1: time flies huh yeah <laughs> um and, and i guess let's so to put it in perspective for folks who don't know the reach of gpb because folks don't always uh how many how many radio stations? How, how much of the of the state do you guys cover?
0: We cover the whole state. Um, I I want to make sure I get the number right for how many towers we have now, but we we have quite a few stations throughout the state. We have the Savannah bureau, um, and we uh, we broadcast all throughout the the great state of Georgia these days.
1: Yeah, I think you guys. I think I think I saw a number once that it was like ninety eight percent of people in Georgia can get yeah Georgia Public Radio if they if they try right.
0: We are blanketed around the state at this point. Yeah. And do you guys still have a Macon Bureau too? Uh, we do not anymore. Uh, okay. We're reporting in Macon, but we don't have a, a dedicated Macon Bureau. Okay.
1: Okay, cool. All right. So do you have a particular focus area or are you just kind of covering kind of stories of
0: the day? Yeah, that, that's kind of the thing now. You know, I think when the pandemic hit, it, it didn't matter what our beat was. It was sort of um, – we all kind of had to turn our focus towards covering what it meant for Georgia and the community and how it how it reached out, no matter what you were covering. Before that, I was really, I, I sort of had a twofold interest in covering human interest stories and also arts and culture stories when I could, when I wasn't doing general reporting. Uh, I still try to do that a little bit, though. I mean, you know, the, the scope of that has changed now because the arts community has been affected so much by the pandemic. Right, and, yeah. And the, We haven't really seen a lot of concerts, you know, lately. The the venues around the state are just starting to come back, so it's a different kind of story now. But I try to touch on it when I can.
1: Yeah, and do you? I know sometimes you know some radio reporters have to turn a story every day. Are you doing something every single day?
0: That's my goal. Yeah, I try to. um, I usually report on one or two things a day, uh, and then we also, like I said, we we do our newsletter as well. So when I'm not doing in the field reporting, I'm uh, helping to get the newsletter out uh, every Tuesday and Thursday.
1: Okay, and what's your, what's your uh, kind of work history background before you got to GPB?
0: Yeah, I had a little bit of an unconventional path towards um, becoming a journalist. I worked uh, in the nonprofit sector for about five or six years uh, prior to being at GPB in public relations and media outreach. I worked for a organization called Care2 Uh, For a few years, and I also worked for a few other different nonprofits that did advocacy, both here in Georgia and around the country. And then prior to my nonprofit career, I worked as a legislative assistant in Congress for Representative Phil Gingrey.
1: Ah, very good. Okay, wow. So uh, you you got a little bit of a political background too, which I'm sure helps. And there there are some a couple of political stories percolating around around Georgia the last year or two, right?
0: You know, maybe a few, maybe a few. (laughs) So.
1: Yeah, we got one or two uh, people trying to get that uh, Warnock Senate seat now and some who live in Georgia and some don't, but, you know. It's it's that.
0: Isn't I mean I think that you know, for people who have lived here a long time, we've seen a lot of this kind of coming for a few years, but I think it's it's wild to see it sort of manifest. And now that the state's a swing state and there's all this sort of weird political shifting going on, it's it's fascinating to cover as a journalist for sure.
1: Are you seeing a lot of your stories getting picked up nationally?
0: yeah i mean i would say that you know stephen fowler who's sort of our our rock star political reporter he's he's the guy that, that's really getting a lot of these things covered and and handled and it's great to see his reporting but yeah i'm 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 right behind him as as well as the rest of our colleagues on covering sort of the political side of things for sure yeah
1: yeah he he's uh he's all over the place yeah he's, he'll, he'll pop up he does it. yeah he's he's incredible well uh, you know when you're young, you don't have to sleep, right?
0: Right, yeah. what is sleep really? Sleep is sleep later. Sleep is a construct.
1: Yeah, he was he was doing the I think I saw him at the Senate debates last fall and uh you know, somebody was somebody from uh MSNBC was there and it's like, Hey do you know that Stephen Fowler guy is it's like do you think you can get him and it's like He's a lot of stuff. I'm not his publicist, but yeah, sure. I think he's he's right over there.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. He's, Steve, he's, if
1: they want you on NBC NBC in about twenty minutes. Can you do that? Oh, yeah, I'll Brad
0: okay. Steven all day, every day. He, nobody works harder in in the business in Georgia than he does.
1: Well, he's he's got he's gotten some great stories, so it uh, it it shows. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of reporters had a, you know it, things changed last year in terms of your access to to uh, people in person. Did it, how how did that affect how you were doing your job last year?
0: Yeah, I mean, we, you know, so many things shifted really quickly. We went from being in the newsroom every day to working mostly remotely. And while that was happening, we also had to report on the protests that were happening last year, um, the spike of COVID, the onset of how it affected our healthcare system and businesses, music venues. So I had to learn really quickly how to be very adaptable without having that newsroom support behind me in a lot of ways. I had to figure out how I was going to be mobile in my reporting, uh, flexible with the gear I had and, and how I was going to file stories. And that's a uh, that's a really big lesson to learn while the world is slowly falling apart or it feels like it's falling apart. But it, I, I've gotten a grip on it now. And um, I think that it's interesting. Now I'm really able to report from pretty much anywhere in the, in the state with with the gear I have and I don't think that would have been true pre-pandemic like I really feel like we we've, we've all become very adaptable to getting our stories done anywhere with with whatever circumstances are handed.
1: Yeah, I've I've found a lot of reporters, radio reporters are using Zoom or similar kind of uh streaming services just because the audio quality is so much better and reliable than a than a cell phone.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I've I've grown to love Zoom and and the <laughs> audio from it. It's yeah, great.
1: There's another one called Squad something. There's a I, few. Yeah, there's yeah. like
0: that one. Um like I've seen some people using Skype again, which is like kind of a Skype. Cool. I remember yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, it's like Skype that's making a comeback. I've actually seen some people using Discord um to, to do okay. something. Yeah, it's, it's it's fascinating.
1: You know, I haven't touched Skype in probably a year and a half. Me either. Um, Interesting. So, um, are there are there kind of topics in the back of your head that you think here? Here's a story I want to cover. I think uh, down there, not not to give it, not to give away uh, anything investigative or deep or anything. But
0: well, I think this is stuff that we've been we've been following that that's really part of my fascination right now is is the ongoing struggle that music venues are going to be having uh, going into the next year, we we I think a lot of people thought maybe we were getting out of the woods, you know, with the rise of the vaccines. That's clearly not the case with the Delta variant. Um, a lot of these music venues throughout Georgia have still not received uh, their funding from the Save Our Stages Act, which got passed earlier this year. Um, they're still waiting on, on federal assistance from that, that they were promised. Um, so i think especially in a in a city like atlanta in a state like georgia where music is such a fundamental part of our culture and our identity that's going to be an interesting story to cover to see what survives you know what comes out of it where our, where our arts and music culture goes um and i think there's also other stuff too like dragon con right are we're, we're going to see what that's going to be like in a in a, about a week from now they're going to go forward as it stands right now and i think everyone's curious to see what that looks like at a convention that typically has ninety five thousand people, can they do that at a diminished capacity and still be safe? So that's that's something we're going to be following pretty pretty intensely.
1: Both my kids are at college now, so this will probably be the first year in, gosh, almost fifteen years probably that I haven't done DragonCon. I, I did go last year without them because you know I have sometimes I have more fun without the kids.
0: But this is, uh, uh, is going to be probably what like my fifteenth year going um for the last year when we, uh, none of us went but yeah it's it's a part of my family's like Atlanta tradition yeah hard.
1: yeah um yeah we do a lot of work with Momocon and uh you know I think they're hopefully next year they'll be back full bore back in the Congress Center and, and bigger than ever but um yeah it's 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 hit a lot of that you know I've I've got some clients in the entertainment space and they that side seems to be seems to be coming back you know, yeah. the sound stages and people that are kind of the equipment rental and all the different things that go into the entertainment industry. Um, and I don't
0: think a lot of people realize how much of a fandom culture really exists in Atlanta. I mean, it is, I mean, I think probably one of the best cities you can be in if you really like the convention experience and going to a lot of cons and having that, that really in, like one-on-one experience with your fandom. Like there's, there's Momo con, there's dragon con, there's uh, anime weekend, Atlanta, I mean all of those are huge and draw like thousands of people.
1: Yeah. I mean I did my first Mobacon like, I don't know a couple four or five years ago and uh, just it's just amazing. The, the dedication of the fans is uh, is really incredible. And I know we'll get back to it. You know, they've they've been Mobacon's been pretty successful last year doing it online. They got a lot of interest, but people wanna they wanna be there. They wanna they wanna bring their costumes, they wanna do their photography, they wanna see their See other people, uh, so we'll get we'll get back to that. I, I know it's just uh, people would everybody wants it to be sooner rather than later. So hopefully we can do we can do that. Yeah. All right. So so now the the really hard questions. So it's always a hard question for every every week when I do this is yeah. what's something cool and cool about Sarah that people might not know. And this could be a hobby, a talent, any, anything anything that's kind of fun fun and cool about Sarah.
0: I'm really uncool, so uh, that's that's a hard question. See, but uh, you,
1: but you just told me you're into Momacon and Dragoncon, so you're
0: you you're not uh, you're there. I mean, I'm a I'm a pretty big I'm a pretty big nerd, so I love Star Wars. I I love the X Files. Um, those are like my two big. I can I could do a whole other podcast just about the X Files. <laughs> um, I do play in a band. I sing in a band um, that's signed to um, a Warner Records subsidiary, and so I do that when I'm not. A journalist, and I tour around And singing it, so that's pretty cool Cool,
1: alright, give, give the name of the band So people can find the
0: band, it The band is called Sarah and the Safe Word Very good,
1: very good And, and I think I saw, you, you've posted about that I think I've seen that on yeah. some of your social so yeah. good, good stuff Yeah, um, alright, so Last uh, I've, I've altered this question a little bit So last book read or Last podcast you'll listen to
0: yeah. Uh, the last book that I've been really obsessed with is actually, um, it's a graphic novel that was written by my friend Stan Stanley that I recommend everyone, uh, read and it's brilliant. It is called the hazards of love. Um, it's a bit, it's going to be coming out it's out now actually on Simon and Schuster and people should check it out. It's a really great story of, um, queer identity and finding yourself and, and, um, asking big questions about who you are and stands incredible. So yeah, that's, that's my big one right now. All right. Favorite local restaurant. Oh, um, battle and brew is great. And I've been really into little trouble as well. That's a real, I, I don't know that one. Where's that one? Uh, that one is over on the North side. If you know where, um, where, uh, like the, the West egg is over there. And, uh-huh. uh, yeah, it's it's near there.
1: Little Trouble, okay.
0: Little Trouble, okay. great. Yeah.
1: Any particular kind of? Is that
0: particular cuisine or? Uh, it's um, it's kind of based around Blade Runner. Like that's the theme of the of the oh. bar. So it's got like uh, kind of an Asian fusion menu and really cool cocktails. Okay. Yeah, well,
1: that sounds cool. I'm gonna have to check that out. All right. Exactly. Uh, favorite guilty pleasure.
0: I love sour candy. Wait sour tonight. candy. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right. You and Rose Scott with the, with the, with the funky candies. Okay. Um, favorite local getaway?
0: My local getaway. Um, I, I recently went kayaking in New Harley, Georgia. And, I, I, and I'm, people who know me know I'm not an outdoorsy person, but I had a good time kayaking in New Harley. So that might be my new favorite getaway.
1: Yep. You know, okay. I love being on the water. Um, okay, favorite non-work hobby? Ooh,
0: um, besides music, uh, I really enjoy... Writing uh, and not news writing. I like I like doing fiction writing. I'm would like to put out a book one day of some.
1: Cool. Of, yeah, I was talking with uh, Melissa Carter who used to, who does a is on um, a couple of radio stations. But she she said she spent the last year writing uh, comic books.
0: Oh, cool.
1: So she I don't Good. think she's I don't think she's published yet. But she's promised me that uh, when she when she gets them she'll she'll send them my way because I I have a. Still have about ten boxes of comics in my basement, so
0: I I love comics. I I'm so obsessed with them. So maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe I'll write comics. That's a good idea.
1: There you go. There you go. I, I think I think there's a resurgence, and there's uh, I I've I've gotten to i have kind of some of the older comics that I can't find. I'll I just find them digitally yeah. on my on my Kindle, and it's kind of you know easy way to read them. Uh, so we, we we were talking earlier, you know, kind of one of the one of the things that we were talking about was you are. I was saying, saying earlier that you're the only transgender journalist in in Atlanta and you said, you told me, not just that.
0: I, I, now I will say I don't think I'm the only transgender journalist in, in Atlanta. I'm, there are some great student journalists and, and people in other works. But I think that I'm – unless I'm wrong and I've been told that I, this is the case, I'm the first uh, openly trans journalist to be broadcast on the radio – in the state of Georgia statewide. I think that's the case. Yeah. Excuse me.
1: Um, yeah, I just, just want to kind of mention that. Are, are, there, um, are there some groups that, that you would recommend as kind of advocate groups for, for yeah. journalists?
0: Well, I'm, I'm a card-carrying member of the Trans Journalists Association, which is a great uh, org that advocates for the visibility of uh, gender nonconforming journalists across the country. They also have a really great style book that they provide free of charge for journalists when it comes to covering uh, gender nonconforming transgender issues and queer issues, which I recommend everyone download because it's a great resource to have. Yeah. But I, I I love the TGA and I'm a proud member of it and happy to be a part of it.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. I I have noticed uh, not this GPB, but a lot of, a lot of um, digital media sites are, are changing how the, Kind of the descriptors of how they refer to their their people, and, and people are, I think, getting more into the habit of doing that on their on their Twitter hand Twitter descriptions and social media yeah. as well. We
0: we started including uh, pronouns in our email signatures at GPV as of last month, so that was that was pretty cool.
1: Cool, cool, cool. Um, all right, any um, let's see anything that we haven't talked about that that we should have talked about.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I think Any- that it's just it's really it's a really interesting time for for being a queer journalist and I think that um more newsrooms could could benefit from from hiring people from the queer and trans community in Georgia. I don't want to be the only person on the radio that's trans. Like <laughs> we should have more trans journalists in our state. So yeah.
1: I think uh you know there there are Trying kind to of think. I, I don't want to name people who may not want to be named, but uh, I think the community is more prevalent in local media, perhaps than than people think, whether they're I agree. Pu- public about it or not. Yeah. Uh, but I think diversity in the newsrooms is is key in any case. Yeah, diversity of, of of all kinds. And I know some newsrooms have made more of an effort than than others, but I just feel like it it gives it brings perspective, right? Yeah. You know, when you're I had some Asian journalists tell me when they were covering you know, the shootings recently, a lot of the conversations they had in their newsrooms just about pronouncing the names, right? Yeah. You know, pronouncing the names correctly. Uh and some journalists were like, "Oh, it's, you know, it doesn't matter how I pronounce it. I'm going to do the best I can." And the other but the, and the Asian journalists were like, "Well, yes, but if I tell you how to do it correctly, you should do it correctly." I think the Asian American journalists, Atlanta Journalists Association actually put out a, 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 a uh, audio kind of a style book of like, here's how you pronounce the names so you don't screw it up. Uh, I mean, but
0: this job is about people, right? Like it's about how we all interact with each other. So if we lose sight of that and we forget, you know, that we're reporting on humans and what humans are doing, then we're not doing a very good job as journalists in my opinion.
1: No, I, I agree. I agree. And, and Atlanta, man, such a diverse community, both, you know, in every, every possible way from economics to ethnic groups and sexual preference. I mean, any, anything and everything.
0: What an interesting city. I mean, it's, it always surprises me, you know, the, the direction it goes and how the community grows and changes and shifts. It's become such a fascinating part of America, you know?
1: Yeah. I, uh part of part of the fun of of I you know, I'm I'm kind of in the North Lake to County area so I, I love going and trying to find restaurants and foods that I haven't tried before Yeah that's uh, it's it's a lot of fun I, I was telling somebody earlier I was talking to this, like I said there's an Ethiopian place near me called Desta that I just we just I love yeah. yeah it's, it's just awesome. it's great it's great food yeah. it took us a couple of times to kind of figure out how to order order and what to order, right?
0: It's a (laughs) tricky menu, but yeah, when you get it, the food there is killer. It's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. Anyway,
1: cool. Sarah Rose, thank you for, for taking some time to chat with us today. This has been another edition of our Four Questions Journalist Spotlight.